the Holy Spirit be upon you and in you on this day of Pentecost, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I don't remember how early I would usually wake up and get out of bed when I was five years old, but at exactly six o'clock in the morning on February 9th, 1971, I was woken up by, a, by bright blue flashes outside my bedroom window and what I think was my dad yelling at us kids from his bedroom, from his bedroom to stay still. At five years old, the magnitude 6.5 San Fernando earthquake, which lasted one minute, killed 65 people in the Los Angeles area, injured thousands, and did a half billion dollars in damage was quite exciting. A couple hours after the quake, my mom had the, the TV on and the news was on, and they were showing live aerial footage of a street or a road somewhere in L.A. that had broken open or, you know, a big hole had opened up and huge flames were spewing out of the black hole. It was obviously a ruptured gas line that ignited somehow, but to a five-year-old, it seemed the earthquake had split the world open and the fires of hell were coming out. It was so exciting. So were the aftershocks a day later when I was on the sixth floor of the Queen of the Valley Hospital in West Covina for a tonsillectomy. Nurses frantically running up and down the hallways as the whole place shuddered and the lights flickered. Oh, it was so exciting. I couldn't imagine it then, but I can now how frightened that hospital staff must have been because the main earthquake the day before had collapsed part of a VA hospital. Today, we think of earthquakes as just geological events that are either destructive or ho-hum, just another tremor. For the people of the Bible, however, earthquakes are much more meaningful. They make men terrified as they were at the tomb of Jesus on Easter. Earthquakes are in prophecies, such as in Revelation, where earthquakes and all kinds of calamities will happen in the days before the end of time. Earthquakes are a sign of judgment from God, and in some cases, they are tokens of His anger. In the reading today from Acts, what do you think? Is there an earthquake happening there? Or is there something else going on? Whatever it was, it was exciting. The people involved there were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Jesus had just gone back up to heaven, and the disciples were back, they went back to Jerusalem. They find a replacement for Judas, and the day of Pentecost comes. Tongues of flame came over the people's heads, and people from all over the world or all over that region were speaking the word of God in their native languages. Peter gets up and preaches a sermon, a three-minute lesson about Jesus and the promise of the Holy Spirit. And 3,000 people believed on the spot. They got baptized and they were saved. The disciples go through the city healing people in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this really annoys the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees. So they, they have Peter and John thrown in jail. By this time, 2,000 more people 
are saved in addition to the 3,000. 5,000 altogether. But the Pharisees couldn't find anything to charge Peter and John with, so they let them go. The two men go and find their friends and tell them everything that's happened. And they all raise their hands in the air and praise God. But they don't just thank Him. They're sure to remind God that they're still being threatened by Herod, by Pontius Pilate, uh, by the Jewish leaders, and even non-Jewish people. They implore God to stretch out His hand and do something in the name of Jesus who was treated so badly. When they did this, the place was shaken. An earthquake? I can't find anything about this. I mean, I, perhaps if you gave me a three-week uh, uh, sabbatical, maybe I could find someone who's got a commentary on what this actually was, right? What I, all I can find is that the Holy Spirit did something. Was the place just shuddered a little bit? Was there some sort of vibration in the, in the, in the crowd? The Spirit showed some kind of sign that was different from what he had done earlier. This same Spirit is here with us now. You know that, right? This same Holy Spirit, this person of God, co-equal with the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that did this, flames of, of tongues of fire on the, on the apostles and the mighty rushing wind and this earthquake, whatever it was, is here with us now. He's here. Listening to me is living in you and me. There are no tongues of fire or flame over our heads because we speak the same language here. There's no rushing wind, at least that I can hear, and there's no earthquake, which is good since I've been told this sanctuary may not withstand a very big one, let alone a 6.5 magnitude. Nevertheless, exciting things are happening. You're here today hearing the Word of God. You're about to receive this holy food that we just sung about in the hymn. And at the next service, our confirmands will be confirmed. Five young people who have spent time learning the basics of the Christian faith will, be, will reaffirm what God has done for them in their baptism. Exciting things. There's a God who wants them. There's a church who wants them. You, you want them in church, right? Absolutely. Sinners that they are. Because this is such a significant moment in their life, lots of people are going to want them to say or want to hear something from them. Just like when you were confirmed, if you were, right? People wanted to hear what you had to say. Even those who will come here to celebrate with them that are not confirmed in the Christian church or know what it means, you know, it just might... They just might think it's a churchy ritual to them or a rite of passage. They'll want to say something to them like, congratulations, well done, God bless you. And then there are the parents. If they can get by all the emotion, they'll want to say something to the confirmands. Just like when you were confirmed, right? Your parents were probably very proud, very emotional it's hard not to get all pent up with emotion, even for the confirmands who will have to get up here 
with the, in front of the microphone and, and, and give a statement of, uh, of faith, there's going to be some emotion going on. But what if for a few moments we let Jesus do the talking? And we just listen to him as if he were here to bend your ear, mine. What do you think he would say? Hello? <laughs> Greetings. Peace be with you. Yes, that's what he said to his disciples. And based on what he's already said, he might say, I give you another commandment. Love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. That's an impossible standard he sets for us, isn't it? It's impossible. His love is unconditional. His love isn't based on whether you're a good person or a nice person or try to do the right thing. He loves you even when you are good and bad. Jesus says, love one another. But you're thinking, so what about when I feel like, yeah, this person or that person's nice and all, but I don't love them. We can't have that unconditional love for everyone that Jesus has. We just don't have it. There's too much sin that gets in the way. Our sin and other people's sin. As the Spirit grows in us, though, that fruit of love can work. It can build. And as Christ lives within us, it is possible to love one another. Even the confirmand's commandment to God that they'll make in a moment is empowered by love. When you made that uh, statement, confess those words, you were empowered by Christ's love, His love for you. Christ's love within us is unconditional. Jesus sacrificed His life on the cross for you to forgive you all your sin and give you life forever. As you heard in that gospel reading, if you love him, you'll keep his word. And God the Father will love you, and he will come and make your home with him. If you don't love Jesus, you won't keep his word. It's our sin that makes love for others conditional. It's our sin that makes us think that some people aren't worthy of our time, or precious gasoline to go visit them, or even a phone call. But Jesus says, Love one another. That means a mutual kind of love, doesn't it? It also means that as pastor, I have to be vulnerable enough and humble enough to receive love from you as well. Love one another says, I'm open to being loved by those I serve. So you too serve others. And be loved by them. People will see it in you and know that you are Jesus' disciples. We just keep reading it over and over again, don't we, that isolation is the number one issue right now. Not guns, not Roe versus Wade, but isolation. Have you been reading this? I have. And other people have mentioned this to me. The parents of our confirmands read how people their age shut themselves in their room, sit on their bed, and do whatever it is on their cell phone for hours, sometimes all day long. Parents also read about themselves, 
how adults have been isolating themselves. Isolation is showing no age boundaries. It's happening to everyone. Maybe they should come live in my neighborhood. All right, it seems every night there's a block party right across the street from my house. Couples and kids laughing and playing till 10 o'clock at night. As annoying as it sounds, it's actually a good thing in light of what's been happening to us even before the pandemic. It's true, though. Whatever your age, it can be difficult to connect with people. So Jesus' command to love one another can be daunting. Perhaps this is one reason the church is smaller member-wise than it's ever been. Because in church, you have to connect with people. <laughs> and even if you don't want to, others will try to connect with you. But let's imagine that coming down the center aisle right now is Jesus, your Savior, your great shepherd. And once we're all standing again, he looks at each one of you with those hands marked and wounds, his wounds are before you. And he says, just as I have loved you, love one another. Then an earthquake comes and flattens everything. <laughs> no. Maybe this place is shaken, and we're all filled with the Holy Spirit and continue to speak the word of God with boldness and love one another. Love one, loving one another can be simple as a smile or a hello. Sacrifice the comfortable desire to stay silent and hope nobody notices you or says anything to you and smile. Say hi to someone, anyone. People will see it and know you are a follower of Jesus Christ. His spirit will fill you with boldness in the face of intimidation and all trials. Amen.